if you're listening to this, thinking about getting into it, it's just like investing in real estate. You can't expect to go downtown Toronto and do your first real estate deal down there and have it cash flow and make all this money. I mean, you potentially could. Maybe you get a huge capital appreciation, but there's a high level of risk for a new person getting into there without a ton of capital at their disposal. It's the same for private lending. You need to go into an emerging marketplace and try to to build it there. And eventually, if you want to move into those other spaces, you can. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and so that's uh, to why we are in this business and where we are is because yep. we this is Atlantic is an emerging marketplace. Thanks for tuning in to the Canadian Private Lenders Podcast, the show about starting a private lender in Canada, the mortgage industry, and the real estate industry. Your hosts are Neil Andrino and Ryan McNeil. Enjoy. Well, we're on to episode 14, Neil, the Canadian Private Lenders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan and Neil. And Neil, we are in studio. How about that? Yeah, this is a big change. We've done this remotely. For any of you guys that are listening, you may have already noticed the difference with the audio. Probably, hopefully, a little more crisp. But uh, yeah, we decided to bring it into the studio to make it a little more personal. It works. I think it was really convenient from home. But it, there's a, like an element of personal that you lose when you're looking at a screen. You lose a little bit for sure. You know, the flow maybe not as good as we would have liked as well. If there's any delays or something, you know, you might not pick up on through a screen. So yeah. And now we're a foot and a half from each other and uh, we'll <laughs> be able to pick up on those cues a little better, I think. Yeah, 100%. It should be, I think, a little more fun. I also live in the forest with one bar of Wi-Fi at the best of times. So we had some technical difficulties. Also, an aside, we're trying to get this set up. We switched to mic stands. So any of you guys that have watched our previous content, you saw the boom arms. So we have mic stands right now, which you may hear a little bit of movement. We're going to try and eliminate that mm-hmm. as best as possible for today. Yep. I'm going to get some felt pads for the future. but. For now, there might be a little bit of noise. We're working on it, everybody. Bear with us. We're getting there. But let's get into today's episode. Yeah, let's talk um, today. Neil, what do we want to talk about today? We're going to talk about why we're doing this, why we're in this industry. Why in the world did you get into money lending? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Seems crazy. It kind of does. It's like debt in general is a scary thing. It is. And now being on the receiving end of it, I I think I've said when we first started this, it's funny to me now because... I remember being, well, and I still am, like I'm getting the appraisal and then sending off a loan application to get the money to do a project and being like, why are they not approving? Like, why do they want more documents? Blah, 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 blah. And now every time we have these meetings and we're sitting here and we're going over all the deals and we're like, no, like ask them for that extra, (laughs) that extra document. We don't think too much of it because obviously there's a bunch of deals in there. And it's ultimately the reason we want is we need the security because when you're looking at the picture, we don't know the person. Yeah, we might know the area and we know all the other stuff, but it's hard to be like, oh yeah, we're all good there. Like it'd be better to have a little bit more security. So anyways, it's short story long. It's just, it's very funny to be on the other end of this and now also understanding a little better why a lender might be like, "Mm, maybe not. Like you might be a great person, but like ultimately it's, it's about a loan here and getting the payments back in. Yeah. It's a lot of money at the end of the day. Right. And we're talking investor capital here. So it doesn't hurt to be uh, have that added layer of caution. Yeah. It actually kind of provoked a memory for me as well, uh, probably about 10 years ago before I joined uh, the family business with Gracebrook. I didn't know much about mortgages at the time, just you know, selling toilet bowl cleaners in Toronto. So <laughs> um, it seemed so sketchy to me back then that they were you know lending money on properties that the bank wouldn't lend on. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, the loan to value is lower. And you know, back True. then there was probably... There was definitely more delinquency, more foreclosures that happened. 
Yeah. And I'm like, you guys are a little bit crazy to be doing this. Like the money s- seems to make sense, but yeah. know, how much risk are we really taking on here? And it really takes, you know, years of going through it to fully understand what true risk you're taking and, you know, yeah. what the plan is. And you layer on those years of learning as well and just makes it easier to underwrite on the front end and ensure you're going to get the takeout on the back end. Yeah. And I think to what we've talked about in a bunch of the other episodes, I think, and part of why we want to do this was to help not just this episode, but the podcast in general was to demystify everything around private lending. Because to what you said, same before I ever borrowed private money, I always just like took it in my head as like, oh, that's like when you're bankrupt and you have no other choices. Mm -hmm. And these people are, they're charging you a fortune and you're probably going to lose the money again. And so I can imagine, like you said, stepping into this industry, you're like, what in the world? Yeah, that kind of is a good segue as to why we're in this industry, right? And why we started this business. And a big thing is the evolution of the space. So yeah. it's a growing industry in general. And I'm kind of talking broadly as broker type lending, lending through mortgage broker leads. And even within the mortgage broker segment, the alternative lending space, which would encompass basically, you know, B lenders, credit unions, and private lenders, yeah, is also growing. So the share of that space is growing too. So You know, we alluded to some of those maybe sketchier deals, which are, you know, the damaged credit, the past bankruptcy, the rural deals where you're in arrears on your loan with your bank and you've got no other option. That's evolved into a lot of other things that we've talked about on the podcast already, but, you know, really focusing in on those real estate investors, those self-employed individuals that don't fit the bank mold or the short-term stuff, which is like a more of a quick close or bridge financing type situation. Now, do you think the growth in that in the industry, and I'm going to ask you some questions as well as like, we're explaining why we're in this, but I just want to break it apart because I think this might be a thought some people have. Do you think the growth in this industry is because there's more problem clients or, and this is kind of where I think my head leans is there's actually more strong clients. And what ends up happening is the banks are like, okay, our book is full. We can fill our couple $10 billion of deals that we want to do with what we consider prime clients and their bar for prime keeps climbing. And so it might not even be just a client base. It might be like the type of deal, like you said, location, construction, like there's a bunch of different factors that they might not be willing to quantify or qualify on. So do you think that's kind of what's causing the growth on the private side? I think, yeah, the second factor you mentioned there, just in general, banks raising the bar for qualification criteria. You had the stress test come in in 2016. You had COVID times happen in which changed some underwriting criteria. You've got the rising rate environment of the last two years, which has made it even more difficult to qualify on that stress test. So those factors have been the key drivers for more alternative share. But the other side of it too, and you know this well, is that real estate investing has increased in popularity as well. Right. So, and that's all because of you guys on the Master Keys podcast, of course. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I was going to say, it's option three that prices are so out of sight now in general that there just needs to be more private money. I don't mean just to like COVID. I mean, even prior to COVID, like because private was huge in Ontario and BC mm-hmm. where pricing has been somewhat out of sight. Maybe. And I'm like, has that caused the requirement for this to be part of the business? Maybe. I think in some ways, you know, some lenders are hedging their risk and, you know, yeah. going maybe 65% max where they would have gone 80% yeah. in certain situations. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's the, the key factor. I think the key factor is bank tightening criteria and the increase in, in yeah. desire to invest in real estate in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up that point there. So there's a need for the product that we offer, right? Yeah. And with some strong connections in the broker space 
and strong networking and continuing to look for it, you're going to find deals and you're going to get that pipeline required without too much heavy lifting. As long as you put in the time to do it, you're going to be able to find your way in this business. Yeah, exactly. I think the one nuance to that I'll say is I think, again, a place like Ontario, from what I've heard, it can be fairly competitive. I know I was on the line with a few lender privates up there and they were like, I don't know how some of these guys are making money because they're lending out at crazy low rates. Absolutely. Uh, I say crazy low. I'm still talking like 999 or whatever, but in today's environment, that is low. Absolutely. And you know, when I first started exploring the Ontario market back in 2021, there was privates at 499. (laughs) Is that even a private deal? (laughs) How can we even compete in this market, right? Like, I mean, that's when rates were at, you know, 199, 1.75 or whatever it was, right? And that quickly changed within a year. Yeah. But I think, yeah, absolutely. Way more competitive. But that's mostly GTA. That's extremely competitive. Oh, yeah. Southwestern Ontario, you'd find it too. You know, the Kitchener, Waterloo's, London's, Ottawa areas. Definitely more competitive. But to your point, I mean, competitive now is lowest rate you'd see is probably like a 9% rate. Yeah, 100%. Last point, not to keep hampering on this, but... Mm-hmm. On the flip side, I'm not saying that in a negative light to someone, if you're listening to this, thinking about getting into it, it's just like investing in real estate. You can't expect to go downtown Toronto and do your first real estate deal down there and have it cash flow and make all this money. I mean, you potentially could. Maybe you get a huge capital appreciation, but there's a high level of risk for a new person getting into there without a ton of capital at their disposal. It's the same for private lending. You need to go into an emerging marketplace and try to to build it there. And eventually, if you want to move into those other spaces, you can. Yep, absolutely. Um, and so that's uh, to why we are in this business and where we are is because yep. we this is Atlantic is an emerging marketplace. 100%. And I mean, you could look at different smaller tertiary markets in uh, Ontario too, you know, a Kingston, a Windsor, even up to like a Sudbury, something like that, right? So Alberta. There, there could be, exactly, there could be major opportunities in those markets too to create more margin yeah. because there's going to be less competition there. And, uh, you know, maybe you have to scale back from a loan to value perspective, but, yeah. um, you know, there certainly still is opportunities there despite the competitiveness of the big areas like the GTA and the GVA. Yeah. yeah. Center of the universe. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Point two we had for why we're in this business, plain and simple, it's exciting. It's an exciting business. It's a fun business to be in, right? So my point here is that there's, while we were structured similar to a bank in terms of, yeah, we're lending mortgage capital, it's not a bank job and it's far from being a bank too. So there's so much opportunity here to be creative in this industry that you really don't have to stay inside the box that you'd find at, uh, at a banking institution. Yeah, I think there's a lot more, a lot of it is relationship-based. So you get to be a lot more personal with the people that you work with. You get to be as engaged as you want on the projects that come in. You get to work on your relationships with both investors and with the um, brokers. I mean, I haven't worked a bank job, but from my understanding, sometimes I think some people in those bank positions, even if they're in underwriting and, and things like that, they don't feel like there's much relationship because they're just like, all I do is underwriting. And I just get a shit ton of applications that come in through our system from our FAs at the branch. And I never get to meet the client. I'm just responding to the FA and say, give me this document. Whereas here, where I mean, obviously we're a small business and as it grows, there'll be a little bit more, a few more layers. But ultimately, we could literally just call the client. The broker wouldn't love that, but sometimes we, we have to and have a conversation with them direct and or you're dealing with a broker to help work on them and yep. visit sites. And, and like there's a lot of involvement, which is nice in a lot of ways. But 
by choice and it keeps like you said it keeps more interesting because it could be a lot to just be doing the same thing a thousand times a day every day 100 percent. i've heard a good buddy of mine once described you know when talking about private lending you said you know bank lending is more of a science right where you've got your predefined conditions and you know there's a history there of data points and you use those to decision right yeah whereas he described private lending as an art yeah. right where you have your blank canvas and each deal is independent of the last one and there's more of a common sense factor there and you can kind of paint the picture whoever you want to paint it obviously there's certain criteria that you're going to want to play within for your own business yeah but you do have that option to be creative to take a look at it however you want and to paint the picture the best way you see fit for your business it's also pretty cool to like we have construction projects going on right now to drive by and be like yeah we're we're kind of behind that to it being exciting, like it's like, yeah, it's pretty exciting to think, okay, we got a million dollars out on that place and like yeah. we're a big part of that team that's making that take place. Like all these businesses, like I'm speaking from my experiences with like being a realtor, it was really cool to be able to sell someone a home and be a part of their transaction and be something for them. But I was just really scraping off a portion of a fee to help them make the move. In this case, you're like, you're infinitely more crucial than a realtor in my opinion. And no, no disrespect to realtors, but like, you are a part of that deal. Like you are completely involved. You're on the friggin' deed. Like it's, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's a pretty cool thing to do. And, and as it grows, it'll be neat to be like, okay, there's like 400 properties within the city that were a part of either helping right. get ready for sale or being constructed or whatever it may be. Yeah. The lender definitely is a partner in the project on the private side of things. Right. So, and great point. I absolutely love going to a site, whether it's a fix and flip type deal or a new construction and actually, you know, stepping foot into the property, seeing the progress that they've made. Yeah. Having a chat with the client the odd time if they're present there. And yeah, it gives you pride in what you're doing. And we're in a market right now, like, you know, we were talking about a deal the other day that was a duplex that was being converted into six units, right? And that's like directly helping people by creating more units in a high density area. Yep. And, you know, we back that client. We're investing in this deal. We're advancing funds based on the progress there. And it's just, it's really cool to see. It's neat. It's yeah. super neat. Yeah. Moving right along, a couple more points here. So another big thing is the freedom you have yep. in this industry, right? So similar to other real estate positions, and, you know, maybe maybe a realtor <laughs> wouldn't fit into this bucket, but uh, I think a mortgage broker definitely would. You can work from anywhere, right? You just work all the time, but you can work, <laughs> you can yeah. work from anywhere, but you work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you can pick and choose that, right? <laughs> Depending on how big your book is and how big you want to grow things. But yeah. um, we were just talking about this, Neil, in, in our meeting beforehand, but there's so many avenues for expansion in this industry as well. Yeah. Whether it's geographically or with the type of loan you pursue, the type of client you pursue. If you got that phone and that internet connection, you can work from... Barbados or wherever the heck you want. 100%. Yeah, it, it definitely, there's an aspect of obviously there's some things you want to do in person, but it's a cool business because you're our background piece in the sense that you're not physically present, even though you're moving money around, that's all done electronically. Like I said, I just laugh because I think in all of these businesses, like we'll say freedom, but I know when we're like trying to get a deal together or whatever, like it's all hands on deck oh, yeah. and it's like, you're not free to be lounging on the beach. Like you need, maybe if you lounge on the beach with a set of AirPods in and your laptop open. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there is definitely a lot of options to set up how you'd like. And if you, as time goes on, I think right now, obviously we're a new business, but as it grows, it'll be easier to do that because positions will be more established and roles will be more established. Sure. And that requirement 
won't be there. And yeah, for a realtor, unfortunately, that's one that you cannot, <laughs> you cannot <laughs> yeah. be remote. I actually think in the coming years, you might see it go there though, yeah. with the virtual reality and sure. things like that. But yeah. mortgage broker is one that I don't want to say very easily, but I think almost probably the easiest to go fully remote. Like we know a fair number of brokers that spend at least a couple months of the year somewhere else. I was just going to say the same thing, you know, probably the, one of the biggest brokers we deal with yeah. spend, you know, three months of the year last year down in, in Florida or wherever, you know, traveling yeah. around, you know, there is advantages obviously to being present and seeing of clients, brokers face to face in certain scenarios, but you can make it work from anywhere if that's the lifestyle you want to live. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, we're investing in freedom in the future with this. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom 65? Yeah, 75? exactly. Freedom 75 is <laughs> going for you. Good stuff. Okay, so just one more point to wrap up on, and this is kind of straightforward, Neil, but in this business, you know, no two days are the same. You learn new things daily. Yeah. You see new things daily, different types of deals, different conversations, different people reaching out, different scenarios you may not have thought of in the past, and that just, it keeps things exciting. You yeah. know, you have to use your brain. You have to think creatively every day on, you know, is this a type of deal that's going to fit? How's this going to look a year from now? What if the exit strategy fails a year from now? What's that going to look like? Yeah. Or, you know, are we going to make margin off this? Does it make sense from an investor perspective to pursue this opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to add to that, like the things that I find is like, I agree with everything there. On my end, I love like I'm obsessed with the numbers and understanding all the different marketplaces. And so I find it really cool just to see some projects that what makes sense? Like something that I might not consider, but you're like, oh, here's a project on a certain coastline that we're building X types of units and then seeing the numbers for it and the projections and or it come to fruition. I enjoy same with any multi-units or builds inside the city and seeing what people are willing to, to pay for things. Like it just, for me, it's all just more number input into the system that I like kind of learning about. And it seems like every day it's a completely unique type situation that comes in. Like I can't believe some of the applications that we get, just what they are. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Neil, that I didn't have here is that it is a numbers game at the end of the day, right? Like you totally. really have to love numbers to love this industry. And, and I'm yeah. the exact same way, you know, maybe it's our engineering backgrounds, yeah. Neil, but uh, <laughs> you know, it is, it's all numbers at the end of the day yeah. and numbers you need to gut check. You need to gut check your appraised value. You need to ensure the amount of debt coverage you're giving to a client is going to pay off those debts to, to help them you know, have their credit bounce back. There's lots of considerations. Having the right software is critical too. I'll plug our guys at Mortgage yeah. Automator again, but the interface there you know, obviously summarizes your average weighted borrower rate, your average weighted yeah. loan to value, your total book size. Like You have that stuff at your fingertips where I can recall even five, six years ago, having that all on an Excel spreadsheet, right? And uh, I was just say, Bill never gets a shout out, but like Excel has been a pretty big solid yeah, in this yeah, too. <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, Excel, I mean, obviously incredible yeah. too. I'm an Excel geek, right? Yeah. I'll admit that all day of the week and it's still used every day, but you know, to have a, a summarized dashboard where you can easily access your numbers, I think is critical too. And uh, it makes the business easier and, and again, more fun. I think it gave the opportunity to operate without an administrator off the hop. Yep. Now, not to keep adding things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one more thing. Let's and go. this is something that was crucial to me in wanting to be a part of this was scalability. One thing I struggled with as a realtor was scaling. And it wasn't like lack of business. It was you have to be physically present. So you can only sell so many homes because you can only be physically present in so many locations. And teams and brokerages are feasible and there is a model there. But again, the scalability, I think, starts to take a hit because there's a lot of work in, in doing them successfully. Yep. 
same mortgage broker, I think, is a bit more scalable. It definitely is because I think people are less, not to say they're less connected to their mortgage broker, but like, I think if you have a conversation with someone and then pass them to somebody on your team to get the deal put through, they're still happy and you just have a few touch points with them and you're able to go. So technically it's not infinitely scalable, but you can add, I think, a lot more volume in comparison to a realtor because of the amount of hours you need per person. Yeah. This, I think, is along the same lines, potentially a little bit more scalable from there because realistically, you're more B2B because we're dealing with basically 95% brokers. Mm -hmm. And so realistically, a broker, they'll want to chat with you, but ultimately, they they don't really give a shit as long as they're getting the approval because that's what they're there for, right? And you can maintain your broker relationship with one dinner a year and a Christmas party. And as long as they're getting their approvals and everything's running tickety-boo, they're not going to say anything, right? They don't expect the CEO of CIBC to get on the phone and have a chat with them every time they submit a deal. Sure. And it becomes the same for a private. Off the start, again, it'll be a little more intensive, and ultimately, you can hire in BDMs and the people that can manage those relationships. Yep. So, scalability for this business was a crucial one for me when I just consider the long run of my own business investments and what I'm involved in. Yep, love it. So That's great. Yeah. Anyways. Good stuff. I think uh, we can probably wrap there. Anybody who's listening, please do. If it's your first time listening or second, third, please follow the podcast. Give us a five-star review. That would be really helpful for our growth of this podcast. Even any brokers or potential investors listening, please share this on your social media as well. That's uh, super helpful for us. We'd appreciate and give you a shout out on the show. Um, Anything else to add, Neil? No, that's everything. Let us know if the audio quality sounds better, if there's any noises you don't like. And uh, yeah, there's no video for this, but we're going to make some fresh reels in the uh, next couple of weeks. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Hey, guys, it's Neil Andrino, your uh, co-host and your co-founder at Keystone Capital and director of investor relations. I'm also a real estate agent, real estate investor and business owner. And your co-host here, Ryan McNeil. I'm the co-founder and president of Keystone Capital Group. Keystone Capital Group is licensed under the Mortgage Regulations Act of Nova Scotia, license number 3000549, and through FCMB, license number 88799. And keep in mind, the views of this podcast are for informational purposes only and is not financial advice.